Hey you, thank you for joining me for episode number 158 of Better Regulate Than Never. Well, this is my actual, well, Thursday is going to be my third, the podcast third birthday or third anniversary, however you want to look at it. I cannot believe it's been three years. And I've done two best of episodes or greatest hits or whatever you want to call it. I did one last week and then I forgot to record like a little intro like this one for that one. So it was probably almost confusing. I don't know. But I remembered this time and I wanted to tell you that um, the best of volume one is just about different kinds of emotions. I just went through all of my episodes so far and I asked some of my friends, you know, what were your favorites? I asked my kids what their favorites were. And then I thought about my own favorites. And it was really hard to kind of pare things down because as you can imagine, every person told me a different one. So it was kind of hard to figure out like, what exactly should I add? Because I didn't want them to be too long. But I think I did a pretty good job of kind of giving you an overview. So if you ever are sharing my podcast with anyone new that doesn't really know what it's all about, these two best of episodes might be ones that you could share with them because it kind of shows the whole like breadth of everything that I do. But So the first one, volume one, is mostly about just different emotions and a little bit about what to do about it. And then I feel like this episode, even though I didn't originally create it this way, is more about what you do with emotions or how do emotions play a part in our lives. So we're going to be talking about what is normal, because most of us worry about if we're normal or not, or if something is wrong with us. We're going to talk about bullying, procrastination, people pleasing, love, all the things. And so I hope you enjoy this episode as well. I wanted to tell you that in case I think I told this on a podcast before, but September 22nd is the actual anniversary date of my podcast. And I chose that date because that was my dad's birthday. And he would have been 96 this year. And he's been gone for 13 years, and I'm really sad about that. So he never knew about this podcast, but um, I'm sure he would have been proud of me. He is proud of me because he can, his energy is still in this world. And I just, I wanted you to know, you know, the significance of that. And I'm so excited to continue with more years of telling you about emotions and what to do in life. And I am here to help. So please contact me anytime if you have any ideas. Oh, and somebody gave me a good mental health tip. Francisca Shorta said this about mental health or how she deals with her mental health. My tip for prioritizing well-being is to have a routine and slide in and out of certain sections of your routine to change it up, but always have some time for yourself throughout the day to reflect, recharge, socialize, whatever the need may be, embrace it, tackle it. And I love that. I definitely create free time for myself every day, whether that free time is just me resting or reading or watching a show that I want to watch, or sometimes that time is spending time with my family or friends. And whatever it is, all of those things make me feel amazing and recharge me for the next day of doing my work. So enjoy this episode. 
I think it's because that people think they are too much or not enough in some way. But who sets the boundaries of normal? What is normal? Guess what? Normal is made up. There is no normal. And the good news is, when something is made up, we can help the world create a different way of looking at things. We don't have to look around the room and try to figure out what or how we should be. We arrived in this world with absolutely everything we needed to live here fully and peacefully. We are the ones messing it up by not realizing the very fact that we are already this minute 100% worthy and lovable, and we don't need to be smarter, prettier, stronger, more athletic, able-bodied, straight, white, male or female, or a certain religion, thinner, taller. This list could go on for hours. And that's very sad. We have everything we need for our journey from the very start. And some of us spend our whole lives thinking that we don't. I know I've spent too many years thinking that I don't have enough of something. Stop telling yourself that you wish you were normal. I don't wish this anymore. Normal sucks. (laughs) I asked my daughter Haley to join me and I it's so exciting to have her talk uh, with me and with you about the topic of bullying. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Bullying is like an innocent person is being treated badly because of something that they are or like or do that other people don't like. And someone wants to make them feel bad and hurt them because they are different than in some way than the other people. I It started pretty early on in my life. I was in elementary school and I was just kind of strange. I really wanted to like be movie characters and I wanted to dress funny and I wanted to be silly all the time and That just wasn't very cool. So a lot of, a lot of it started with teasing and just people, you know, telling me that I was weird and telling me they didn't want to be my friend. And I remember specifically, and I'm sure you also remember this, but uh, we used to have this celebration in town and there was just like all these like carnival games set up in our main street of our town and all the kids would go and do stuff. And I remember dad gave me $5 and he was like, go do your thing. And (laughs) I ran into some of my classmates that I was desperate to be friends with. And I told them, you know, oh, I have $5. We can go do this stuff. And they said, well, give us your $5 and we'll hang out with you. And I did. And of course they ran away. And I remember being like, oh my God, what am I supposed to do now? (laughs) So I walked back and I was like, okay, I spent my $5. And they were like, what did you do? I'm pretty sure I said I got my face painted, which obviously was not, (laughs) no evidence to that happening. And so I told them what happened to my dad went over there and got my $5 back. (laughs) I was humiliated because I just felt like, oh my God, now I'm never going to have any friends. And like, nobody really wants to hang out with me. Like now I really am an outcast. And I remember um, that you told me people are jealous because you know who you are and they don't. And that 
I remember resonated with me. And so then I was like, oh, well, I already have everything figured out and everybody else is stupid. So, (laughs) so I, I feel like I really started to embrace the fact that I was different and that I liked weird stuff. And, and I mean, I still got made fun of, of course, there was this one girl in fifth grade that was really, really mean, like physically mean. I remember she would hit me in the arm and try to swing the, what is that called? Where you the tether ball. ball. The tether ball. She would try to throw the tether ball at me and stuff. And I remember I would come home with bruises and it was like, okay, how are we going to deal with this? Because this was the, this was just like one specific girl that was constantly bothering me. And I remember I was like, well, my favorite thing in the world is being funny. And I like it when people think that I'm funny. That is my, that's the, if I've known for anything, I want it to be that I'm funny. So I just started like trying to be funny and trying to like counteract her rudeness with silliness. And it worked really well. I'm trying to think of specifically, there was that one thing <laughs> I said you were in band and I can't remember what it was. And it I was know. so good. I wish I could remember too, because um, every time you came up with stuff, I was like, that is the best. I wish I could come up with these things. <laughs> and what we have but, to make sure that the listeners know is that the things that you were coming back at her with were not mean to her. They that's just, true. It was like, not really making fun of what she said, but making making fun of almost like making fun of yourself. Oh yeah. Whatever she said so that it her whatever she said didn't have any power to it. There was nothing that was hurtful to you about it because you turned it around into something that was silly. That was just like a joke. And that, I, that was the perfect way to handle it. And I remember <laughs> you were so ready to go to school like every day like I can't, I hope she does say things to me because I have all this, this stuff. I have this, these tools and this arsenal that I can say things back that are funny and it takes every, all the power out of it. And it was so great. <laughs> well, and I, I just remember I was so excited because I loved it when people, when I made people laugh and that was like the whole crux of it was like, now I get to be like the star of the show, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, I'm sure not everybody wants to be the center of attention. I have of course been cursed with that my whole life, but <laughs> I, I, uh, it was really easy for me to do those things because it was like, then I got to like call the shots. Yeah. But I, yeah, I feel like I did take all the wind out of her sails and it was amazing. And I remember then people started, I got some respect from that because Mm -hmm. people started to see like, oh, well, she doesn't really care about Mm -hmm. (laughs) what these people think of her. Mm -hmm. And I remember one of my teachers saying that doing things like that took a lot of backbone. And I think Mm -hmm. it took a long time for me to feel like I really did have that confidence. But how often do you say sorry when it's not necessary? Have you said sorry? because you couldn't hear or understand something? Sorry, can you repeat that? Have you said sorry because you have an opinion? I'm sorry, but I disagree. Have you said sorry because you were busy? I'm so sorry, I can't come. Have you said sorry because you needed help? I'm so sorry, could you do me a favor? I'm sorry I bothered you. Have you said sorry because you didn't get what you ordered at a restaurant? 
I'm sorry, but this isn't what I ordered. Have you said sorry because you cried or got upset? I'm sorry I got upset. I'm sorry I cried. Saying sorry when it's not necessary can undermine your respect for yourself and can even cause others not to respect you as much. In those situations I just talked about, it is better to be specific and direct. And I'm going to start practicing this myself. So instead of saying, sorry, can you repeat that? Say, could you explain that part again? Notice I didn't say that I was sorry about it. I'm just asking for something in a specific and direct way. And it's not rude. Could you explain that part again? Could you say that again? And if you didn't hear what someone said, instead of saying, I'm sorry, but I disagree, say, I understand why you're upset. Instead of saying, I am so sorry, I can't come say, I'm not available, but thanks for the invite. I know it will be so fun. Instead of saying, I'm so sorry, could you do me a favor? Say, I'd really appreciate your help with this. Instead of saying, I'm sorry to bother you, say, is now a good time to talk to you? Instead of saying, I'm sorry that this isn't what I ordered, say, excuse me, I ordered a steak and this is chicken. Instead of saying, I'm sorry I got upset or I got, I'm sorry I cried, say, this topic is emotional for me. I need a few minutes to collect myself. I challenge you to really look at how often you're saying sorry when it's not necessary. Procrastination is when our self-regulation fails. Now, my podcast is called Better Regulate Than Never because it's almost all about regulating your emotions because that is like the key to everything that you're going to do in your entire life. If you do not try to figure out how to regulate your emotions, many things can happen. And procrastination is just a byproduct of not regulating yourself. Procrastination is putting off tasks until the last minute that usually creates negative consequences. I'm sure you can relate to this and probably have many examples and ideas about that. Sometimes it seems procrastination is just part of life. I don't think I've ever had a day in my life where I didn't hear about it from someone. I was going to get up early today, but I just hit the snooze. I told myself, I'll try it tomorrow. I was really tired. I know I was supposed to come to school with my homework today, but I didn't have enough time to get it done. Do you find that you feel overwhelmed by everything you are asked to do? Do you feel angry at your parents and other authority figures because they are always telling you what to do? Do you feel trapped because you don't know how to do the work, but you are so behind that there is no way to catch up? Do you fear talking to your parents or teachers about your assignments? Do you feel guilty or ashamed when you are watching Netflix or playing video games because you know you should be doing your homework? Do you wait until your parents start yelling to do the chores that they've asked you to do? Talk about negative consequences. How are you feeling during all of those scenarios? 
I would guess terrible. And yet, we procrastinate to relieve negative feelings about the task to do, but the procrastinating creates negative feelings. Let's try to figure out what to do about it. When we are procrastinators, our brain offers us false thinking that confuses us and makes us feel better for a short time. Has your brain offered these thoughts to you before? I work better under pressure. I'll feel more like it later. I didn't do too bad last time. I waited until the last minute. I have plenty of time. I will do that later. This is stupid. I don't even care about it. There must be some way I can get out of doing this. These statements feel true at the time our brain offers them because we want to believe them. They offer that small bit of relief from the tension that we are feeling. Don't fall for these small bits of relief. Recently, I have noticed a lot of suffering around the notion of it's not supposed to be like this. This suffering is caused when we have an idea of what something or someone is supposed to be like, and then that thing or that person is not like we wanted them to be, or not how we imagined them to be, or what that situation or person should be. When we accept reality, it doesn't mean that we approve of that reality. Accepting reality is non-judgmental. The situation is not good or bad. It just is. Sometimes our it's not supposed to be this way is a health diagnosis or a death. I am not supposed to have cancer or my friend was not supposed to die. We can't control events or health concerns or weather events or war. I am sure the people in the Ukraine feel like we are not supposed to be invaded. My family member was not supposed to be killed. My house was not supposed to be destroyed. I totally understand. I think that countries should not invade each other or innocent people should not die. But if I resist and fight against the reality that this does happen, I will be miserable thinking about how it's not supposed to be this way. I have seen this with students when a friend dies. Of course, we will be sad when we think about missing them and that it is senseless when a young person dies. But just continuing to think about how wrong it is or how it shouldn't be this way just keeps them stuck in the suffering and the misery of it. At some point, we have to start looking at what we learned from knowing them. What was wonderful about being their friend? How can you develop more friendships like the one you had? Or how can you take the wonderful attributes of your friend and share them with more people? That is what we, that will get us moving toward happiness and purpose again. I want you to feel those feelings at first and just allow them, but also start thinking about how you can slowly turn those thoughts into something more positive. At first, you need to feel the pain of those situations, but don't stay there for a long time. 
Start writing down your thoughts and look for the ones that are causing the pain and unpleasant feelings. Be intentional about what you want to think and feel. Start reminding your brain that you can think differently about it. Today, I want to talk to you about the five love languages. I think knowing about the love languages will just help you to have better and healthier relationships with your parents, your friends, your romantic partners, and I think even better relationships with your teachers. And I know some of you might be thinking, I don't care about my relationship with my teachers, but it really is an important relationship to have. The first love language is words of affirmation. And that just means words that are written or spoken that encourage you, compliment you, or profess love for you. This can be your teacher or your boss telling you that you did a good job, your parents telling you that they what they love about you, or your friend writing a text or a message to you, thanking you or showing appreciation for you. You can practice this love language on your friends and family by making it a point to show gratitude and appreciation for everything that your family and friends do for you. And you can encourage your teachers. You could send them notes or email them and say thanks a lot. Love language number two is time. This is time spent with your friends and family or your romantic partner. And this is time that is spent without distraction. So it's not time where you're sitting at a table, but everyone's on their phone doing different things. It is time with no distractions. The third love language is gifts. If this is your love language, then when someone gives you a gift, you feel like they do love you. I love getting gifts. I love giving gifts, but... If my husband never gave me a gift, I wouldn't feel like he didn't love me. That is not something that says love to me. It's just a nice thing to do in the way that I feel about it. So this is not not my love language. The fourth love language is acts of service. This means someone doing things for you that are kind. An example would be doing the dishes for your sibling, even if it's their turn to do them. Or cleaning the bathroom, even though your mom usually does it. Taking a shift for a friend when their grandpa is sick. Or staying after class to put all the Chromebooks away so that the teacher doesn't have to. These are just nice things to do. But for someone who has this as their primary love language, it it would mean even more. The fifth love language is touch. And this is my number one love language. And so my family's probably already laughing right now if they're listening to this because <laughs> there's no way to not know this is my number one love language because I have to have my hands on people that are in my family all the time. I love to have my arms around them, to pat them, to have my arm wrapped in their arm, hold their hands. Um, I love to hug people. In this love language is tricky because we have to be careful that we're not pushing that on other people. So there are people that do not like to be touched by others. And there are also people that have been abused or traumatized, and they do not like hugs or touching from other people. So if you are a touch person, make sure that you ask permission before you touch or hug other people. So I always ask people before I hug them if they want to be hugged. And I have friends that do not like hugs and that's okay. 
I find other ways to show them that I care and appreciate them. So be careful with all of the love languages because they are not supposed to be used to harm others or to manipulate other people or to get things that you want. You get to choose love any and every time you want to. And maybe this topic today of we are all the same and we all are human and we all just want the same things in life, maybe that will help you to think more about this unconditional love. And like I said, if you can't get there, if you don't, if you feel hatred towards someone, it's okay. Like, don't judge yourself about that. But I just want you to loosen that unpleasant feeling just a little bit, because I I just want you to really try to sink in and think about, I can choose a different feeling. It doesn't benefit the other person. It just benefits you. It's okay to love people unconditionally without their will or their knowledge. You will feel so much better. And I think as you scroll through social media with this topping in mind, that you can love all of those people, no matter what their side is, what they're saying, what they're doing, because you loving them doesn't mean that what they're saying is right or that they're good people. It has nothing to do with that. You can't control any of that anyway. Just control how you're feeling as you look through social media, watch the news, hang out with your family, think about your parent who left you. Think about the girl or guy at school that's so mean that they're just relentless. Just think about giving yourself the gift of loving because it feels good to you and it benefits you and it has nothing to do with them. 